I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 250 of Video Games yeah. Hot Dog, Whoa. the podcast about video games that we've done 249 episodes of previous to this one. That's sure. a whole quarter thousand. We should Happy do something special. Quarter thousand. Yeah. Happy Mind Control Crystal Anniversary, guys. <laughs> wow. Is that a pun I don't get? No, I'm just trying to imagine what the material for the 250th oh. anniversary would be, and it would obviously be some sort of transhumanist, transphysical substance. No, mm. Don't worry about it. I assume everything is a pun. Bitcoins. That's your one weakness. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Oh, man. You guys, I can't wait until the Super Mega Comics uh, book Oh, the Bitcoin anniversary. I get out. it. That, that's good, too. <laughs> that, so there, Sure. You could do that now, though. Yeah. That's not the future. Bitcoin is the past. <laughs> is it, Do- it Dogecoin is the future? Larger and larger is chunks of trading? the blockchain. Is, still, is Bitcoin still happening? Is yeah, that... it still exists. Yeah, I don't I think, it, I don't, I think it can never go away now. I haven't heard anything about it anymore. It's immortal. It's 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 consciousness has been uploaded into a yeah. Segway. Yeah, There's yeah. a mall here that has a special Bitcoin ATM. Huh. So you just put money in and it pretends to give you Bitcoins? I think it only works the other way around. I haven't actually tried it because I don't have any bitcoins. Is it? It's in the. It's like on the basement floor, right? Well, the, it's an underground mall, so it oh. it is the basement floor. <laughs> There's a okay. barbecue joint in Berkeley that takes Doge coins. No, they, well, they take the whole like spectrum of of visual currency, but I saw specifically the Dogecoin logo in there. It seems like that's probably the kind of place that's owned by someone who doesn't need money. <laughs> <laughs> And so takes things that are not money. Yeah, yeah ski ball tickets. <laughs> yeah, why not? I it, it's Pepsi weird. points. Like <laughs> looking it it looking at the person who runs it, it does not look like he's the kind of person who would be into cryptocurrency. Mm, but they never do. Well, I, I think it's that like some Berkeley student set this guy up, saying this is really going to bring him in, and he was like, "Well, okay, I'll put up with this." How do you pay for something with Doge coins? I don't know. That's a good question. Do you have like a Dogecoin wallet on your phone? And I maybe there is like a Visa branded Dogecoin yeah. magnetic strip card you can use. It's got a mm. picture of that dog on it. You you yeah. clap your hands wow, a couple times so and a money. Shiba Inu runs into the store with some money in its mouth. So have money. I have I already made my argument on this podcast for why they should be called doggy coins? No. It's, Maybe. You it, might have already. It's just that, like, if you, like, so from judging from English phonotactics, that word is clearly Whoa. doge. But just. <laughs> I think you mean phonotic ticks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if you think about, like, the intent of someone who doesn't really know how to spell doggy, like, okay. if they're trying to write doggy, that might be what they do. Mm. So you think that the meme was that. I actually don't know what the intention of the creator of the meme, like for all I know, the creator of the meme was just like, here's a funny word. See, because um, I think it's, I think dog is the funniest way to do it. And okay. I think that that is uh, the way that I would spell dog if I were trying to spell yeah, dog. Yeah. You wouldn't do D-O-G-U-E. Yeah. D-O-G-U-E would actually be less ambiguous. It would also be like less silly. It'd be Doug. Like rug. Generalizing from tongue. Beware of rug. R O G U E. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Douge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jif. Uh huh. You guys, it's Jif. 
Yeah, I I mean, I, I pronounce it a certain way. How do you pronounce it? I pronounce it Jif. Good. But, like, I don't give a shit how anyone else pronounces it. Like, I'll, I'll hear them and understand what they're saying. That's true. I'm sort of all over the spectrum at this point. I, I don't even know. The ZX spectrum? Sure. It's a pretty good spectrum. One of the better ones. Did we use one? Only in emulation. Hmm. I've seen... Oh, Place man. a manic minor. So, I this... Forgive me, Brits, if this is completely mischaracterizing the ZX Spectrum experience, but I have looked at a hardware in the made that I thought at least was the, the Spectrum, and it has this really bad membrane keyboard that I'm sad anybody ever had to put up with. If, uh, if that turns out to be some other piece of hardware, then... Uh, this whole story is kind of pointless. I, mean, I feel like keyboards like a speak and spell has. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of early PCs had stuff oh, really? like they didn't yeah. really figure out keyboards until the IBM Selectric 8086, right? Because they, well, no, because IBM made typewriter keyboards yeah. and knew how to make keyboards uh. for people who it was important to that they be able to type quickly and effectively. Yeah. The the Apple IIe was fine. It was okay, yeah. It, first, it was more. It was more like an electric typewriter than mm-hmm. our first computer was a portable. Was a compact suitcase sized portable. Oh, yeah. mm. My cousin had one of those, and it was just what, like a. I think it was just green LCD screen. Well, like, not LCD. Oh, the one my cousin had was literally just an LCD screen. It really? was yeah. It was like a like a Casio watch, like black on green. Huh. That's fascinating. Uh, no, ours was, ours was actually like a was was still just like black and green, but it was it was a, like a suitcase size CRT. Yeah, yeah. And then there was like full. It looks like a size, repurposed oscilloscope. Two full size disk drives, and then we eventually replaced one of those with a full size ten megabyte hard drive. Oh yeah. And I was like, <laughs> never gonna fill this up. Yep. Yep, that's for and serious. It's never gonna let you down. Exactly. <laughs> so we're old. Yeah, <laughs> but it had. But I was well, the reason I brought that up is it, it had a full size keyboard that that folded down because it was the bottom of the suitcase. Oh yeah, and you like you unlatched it and then it folded out from in front of the screen and yeah. the. At the maid, there's one of those, but it's a Commodore sixty four. Okay, mm. which is the Commodore sixty fours. I remember cool. were much smaller, but yeah. that was also a couple years later. So yeah. I, don't, I had a Commodore uh, Vic twenty. That was cool. Yeah. That had, that had t- the tape <clears throat> the tape drive. Yeah. Yeah, the TRS-80 Color Computer 2 that was my first computer had a weird, like, chiclet keyboard. It was, they were, the keys were completely separate from each other. There was, like, there was a surface that had a hole in it for each key. It wasn't like a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like a, like a yeah, normal, like, those t- like, a, like a modern laptop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a, uh, okay. But they were, they were just sort of flat, square-edged keys. My mom was a good typist and was able to type on it okay, um, but it just outputted to a television. Mm. Like you just yeah. plugged a television. A lot of into a lot it. of old PCs did yeah. that, and that's. And it had a cartridge slot because mm-hmm. I think they were trying to sell it as a thing that would play games, and then it wow. had just RCA cables that you would use to connect it to a cassette drive, which I think, th- like a, like a sixty-minute. Maxell cassette had like 16k of storage. Wow. I wonder if you That's can get maybe more than that of those. 
I'm sure you can. Oh, you absolutely can. Yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, and if every not, like, every TRS-80 emulator has the ability to import a sound file as ah, nice. Yeah, and, and so uh, things like, that were things that were shipped as products and the uh, the actual shipping code was just audio on a cassette like yeah. you can absolutely find those on emulation sites yeah and i've actually done this i have um taken code like code that was written you know a few years ago um you use a program to convert it to audio you and you can then record that like it, it gives you a wave file you can record that into a cassette tape and load it on a commodore 64 that's fun that would be interesting as part of a uh, uh part of an arg that it was yeah that was, was that was it? what i did it yeah. for oh well all right <laughs> wasn't well there done. also wasn't Thank there you. also some front a lot secret code yes yeah damien did something like that on one of his albums there was a hidden track that was some code that you could load into a commodore 64 yeah. emulator as audio i had forgotten about that i don't remember what it did i i, I don't remember i tried i think i tried a couple of for like an hour to get it to work and couldn't figure it out. So I stopped, but it's just a lot. Like, it sounds like if you pick up the phone while somebody's on a modem. Yep. I really like that yeah. sound. My <laughs> a friend of mine has been collecting, um, <laughs> ZX spectrum games because that's now that's, those are the games that are cheap to collect as opposed to like all the, like the, the, the collector community has been going through all the old, consoles from most to least popular and just jacking up the prices adam smith called it the invisible fist <laughs> um did you hear that japan is producing its its last vcr next month really is yeah is it are they going to auction it off i don't know are they going to i want i want that gold? one that's are they just burning down the factory at my, that point? I don't know. My mom my mom still has like a split DVD slash VCR player and she still uses tapes to watch stuff. Can oh, is that to record DVDs onto VHS? Uh that that's the type of machine that she has. well the or I think the other way around. I think it's writable DVD player. Oh wow. To oh, weird. That's, okay. That's a way better idea. Because that's the forward direction, right? Yeah. Like, no, I remember living through a period where, like, it was sensible for me to, like, rent a DVD from Blockbuster and make a copy on VHS. Yeah, okay. You could also uh, get movies from the library. Mm-hmm. And that's, I got a lot of VHS tapes from the library. Yeah, but the library doesn't have porn. <laughs> At the time, well, maybe neither, neither, library does, neither does porn. Blockbuster. Well, not now. Yeah. Or then. Or then. At the time, I was also, like, one of the ways I would consume movies is by reading scripts from Drew's Scriptorama. Okay. Which, which the porn scripts are just not that <laughs> interesting. Yeah, they're, not, they're not very good. They're really short, you know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty repetitive. Sometimes you get point. the transcripts that do all the, squ- the squishy sounds. And the stage directions. Uh-huh. Ominous whispering, left channel only. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably how Chuck Tingle got started. Yeah, that would make sense. Doing the novelizations of the... <laughs> that, that guy churns out his stuff so fast. Is it like, is he writing really short books? Or is he just or like, he does just he like, have a few templates that he yeah, cuts and pastes? Yeah, is it like generated novels? Search and replace? Yeah. One yeah. of us, we should do one of those as the, as the assignment one week. Just a, just a <laughs> Chuck Tingle. A, a Chuck Tingle novel. Erotica. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, find one that's game related. 
Do you think that? Do you there, think he has done some that are game? Uh, I know he did a Pokemon one. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So anything pounded, current events pounded related in the butt by them all. Chuck Tingle <laughs> discography. <laughs> the most recent one I heard of was uh, getting pounded in the butt by Chuck Tingle's own sudden rise to superstardom. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Pokebutt Go, pounded by them all. Yeah. Nice. Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Yeah. I mean, this is this is just this is quality podcast material. This is, this <laughs> is a generator. This is like a text generator that you would make at some point and never release to the public. <laughs> Scary stories to tingle your butt. Seven tales of gay terror. I mean, it's <laughs> this is just sort of pandering to modern internet comedy sensibilities yeah definitely do pokemon have genders i don't know did you there's definitely one that's pokemon just like a have janitors a, wo- <laughs> a woman right <laughs> isn't janitor a type of pokemon isn't that I mean, like somebody's oh, got it's weak to grass crispy <laughs> cream uh no i asked if they have genders let uh, me just do a google image search for female pokemon uh-huh. that can't Oh, the Nidoran has like a. Oh yeah, that's right. The one of the 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 two that where the male and the female are distinct and separate species. <laughs> right. That's not how species work. Well, it is in the land of, and it is for the Nidoran. Yeah, explicitly not, and just for not, them, <laughs> not for any other Pokemon. They're very similar. Well, it's like how bees uh, don't have the same incentive to protect themselves. Because they're just drones. Because the the um their reproductive um potential is is not tied to their own life. Uh, right. Hmm. Like they're related. They're related to the queen. Yeah. This this was like something that gave Darwin pause. Was like the behavior of bees. <laughs> yeah, it was so hard like, to write his last book. Yeah, he couldn't hug anybody. <laughs> um. <laughs> So the queen has an incentive to survive, and the hive the has an Elizabeth? incentive to protect the queen, right? Right. Do you, are you just referring to Qu- Britain Qu- as the hive? Queen yes. Latifah. Okay. Yeah. And who is the hive in that case? It's- the American movie going public <laughs> has an incentive to protect Queen Latifah, its most precious resource. But she wasn't in precious. It's, it's, only, it's only potential to reproduce. That's true. That's true. The only that we're we're living in that weird alternate universe, children of men, where no one can have children except Queen Latifah, and what she can probably only have like fifty or sixty more kids Ugh, in her breathing yeah, years. So it's... get her on some of those drugs that let her have like eight or twelve kids at once. That's that can't be good for you. Well, it depends. It's like, good for humanity. You don't give birth to twelve kids. They get surgically removed like oh. a few months into the. Well, but really? like, oh, really? You don't put them. You don't. You don't extrude their. Extrude them through your many ovipositors <laughs> into various hatchling chambers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I haven't looked at Queen Latifah's uh, physiology recently, but Latifah is almost an anagram of alien. So, an alien queen <laughs> is almost okay. an anagram of Queen Latifah. Okay. All right. You might be stretching a little bit there. It has an A. Yep. And an L. Yep. And an I. And an I. Yep. Yeah. And then you get the N from Queen. And the E. Mm-hmm. And you put the F from Latifah back onto the Queen that you took the N off of. Right. Queef. And then that's, and that's what... Yeah, queef the, queef were, alien is queef, what you're saying. Queef, queef alien. Yeah. That's, that's what propels the eggs. 
through the ovipositors. It's not like, how do you think it works? <laughs> I, I, I have no answer. I think you must be right. Anyway, what have you guys been up to? It almost it almost spells the queef alien. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I saw the new Ghostbusters. Have any of you guys seen that? Yeah. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Mm. How is it? It's fine. Yeah. That's that's what I figured. It's funny. It's a funny movie. I I left with the overwhelming feeling that I wish that montages hadn't gone out of style because almost all of the like action sequences in that movie could have been put into a montage and then given more time for the characters to sort of talk and joke around with each other and develop a story. Yeah. Um, I have found like I have almost no patience for action sequences in movies at all nowadays. So these like are really a, slapstick. A Jason Bourne, not interesting to you at all. Is what a Jason Bourne? So I think of that uh, as a movie. thriller, and maybe this just completely destroys what I just said because I think of like there is action in those movies, but I don't think of them as action action it's, sequences. I think of those as like like you think of like the big fights in Transformers as the thing that you yeah, have no patience. Yeah, but like a Jason power. Bourne thing. Terrible, uh, well, that, maybe that's the distinction I'm making. Yeah, is okay. that the bad okay. ones are it, what he's talking about? The yeah, bad yeah. ones are action sequences. The good ones are suspense sequences that involve action. Right. Okay. And maybe that's my only distinction. Like, I I haven't actually like tried to categorize rigidly. Yeah, I was just, the first reason. The reason that came to mind is because that that is a movie that I would probably ca- characterizes an action movie because it's got car chases and fights sure, and stuff like that. Sure, it but does. I find it, it really car fights? compelling. Cock fights, yeah. Uh, and cock chases? Yeah. Cock chases and yeah, car fights. I, co- cocktails. I like a Jason Bourne movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I that, sort of like a Jason Bourne adjacent d- movies. Jason, adjacent so, like, uh, uh, movies where Ben Affleck is a super spy. Okay. <laughs> like sure. Batman, like Batman versus yeah. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Batman is the world's greatest spy, right? Like, that's his whole... (laughs) What did you guys think of... So, I'm assuming that you, like me, at some point read the IMDb trivia page for the original Ghostbusters, like, at some point in my life. I don't know. It... The... In the end, the character that, like, emerges from the gateway was supposed to be... And I don't know if I made up that it was supposed to be David Bowie in a suit, but it was supposed to just be a guy in a suit. It was like effectively just the G-Man was supposed to be the sort of um, wait, as opposed her- to a giant marshmallow dude. Harold, no, no, no. The the so that just weird '80s woman who was the unexplained and more or less irrelevant Harold of oh. the coming of the Destructor, right? I don't know if that woman was Gozer. I thought, yeah, I thought that was Gozer the. No, no, because Stay, Stay Puft was Gozer the Gozerian, right? Well, I don't, I don't. You choose the form of, oh, but I'm, it wasn't. It wasn't like choose the form of Gozer. It was just choose the form of the way in which the world is destroyed. Oh, huh. and it was go like, was the so was the <clears throat> woman Gozer? I think maybe the woman was Gozer. Okay. And I always kind of remembered wishing that it had just been a guy in a suit because that's creepier than just mm-hmm. this. Like it seemed like they were like, oh, this, you know. People people liked Daryl Hannah in uh, Blade Runner. No, I was thinking weird science. I was thinking that that was what that's my referent for that sort of look. But just like weird, like uh, what do you call a onesie if it's for grownups who dance? 
a unitard, a, a weird suit. unitard gymnast. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm getting the mythology for this movie all mixed up with Ghostbusters 2. I keep thinking, wondering where Vigo the Carpathian fits in. He's from Carpathia. Yeah. Uh, I, go only, back there. I only saw Ghostbusters 2 once, yeah. and it was like in the theater when... Yeah. I, I think it was one of those movies I had on on VHS. Oh, or, so you converted it to DVD so you could return it to Blockbuster, right? <laughs> in the you rent a movie, for, you rent a porn movie from Blockbuster, right? And then you return your Ghostbusters two DVD in it because <laughs> they, they don't actually specify you have to return the same movie you yeah. rented. And then because of that, your they girlfriend leaves you. It. You get into heroin, you get AIDS, and you die of toxoplasmosis from a kitten. Right. This did happen. Yes, I remember this. You dying of toxoplasmosis. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, it's weird that you remember that because uh, you've been dead for years, Jim. <laughs> it's, that's not that weird, though. Well, this is some sort of weird reverse incident at Owl Creek Bridge or the occurrence. An occurrence. A- an at occurrence Owl, at Owl, Owl Creek hmm, Bridge. Where, yeah. What's the opposite of where an? You think you died from toxoplasmosis, but it turns out you're just recording a podcast. No, you, you podcast do chillers. die, but yeah. at the moment of your death, you live forward your life as if you hadn't died. Yeah, like Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. Oh. I don't even know what that is. It's a um, uh, Murakami. Murakami novel. Okay. Uh, anyway, there are parts of Ghostbusters that were stupid and that kind of didn't connect to anything. And thinking about that makes me feel like I ought to be a little bit more charitable of the things in the new Ghostbusters that just didn't really get set up and didn't really get resolved correctly but it's just a different <sighs> it's it's always hard to know whether the difference is that now you're in your yeah 30s. now i'm 40 and yeah but but like th- all of the things that i like about ghostbusters now are probably colored by the fact that i really liked all of the ghost shit when i was a kid sure but are mostly like this is a funny harold ramus movie that's right. like pretty smart and Every scene that occurs is sort of in service of developing a character or advancing a plot. And there isn't there isn't very much of it that's just spectacle. Like, that's what you remember from when you're a kid. And in this one, it's like, I just I wish you would let these women talk more Mm. and fight fewer giant ghosts that show up for a minute. But we're menaced by them as though they're it's. uh, Yeah. I really enjoyed the first time. Like, I left feeling like it had the uh, sort of Super Troopers or Office Space problem where it's a really funny movie until it suddenly remembers that it needs to be telling a story and then slams one in. Right. But Man, now I'm thinking about Transformers and how there are these, like, really long sort of interminable action sequences and the the sec the sections that are meant to be like character development are so bad you kind of wish they were not around either (laughs) i remember feeling about the first like 20 minutes of the first transformers movie like huh maybe this is gonna be good and then immediately yeah and then it gets it get got bad in a hurry but it was like when it was just like shia labeouf at school with the glasses that started showing him weird things i'm like okay we're buying this this. remake of they live (laughs) yeah (laughs) Except it's the Transformers live. Yeah. Right. They, they People live, are actually their cars, their cars, they're secretly robots. So the, that, the glasses show you Transformium. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? There's the AllSpark. But the, there is oh some God. element that they need, right? Energon. Energon. Yes. <sighs> 
That's like energy from the future. <laughs> it's discrete units of energy. Okay. Uh, anybody else do anything? Mostly played Pokemon Go. Yeah. I started listening to a uh, audiobook that's pretty good. What is it? It's uh, Gun Machine by Warren Ellis, the guy who did the Transmetropolitan comics and a bunch of other stuff. It's uh, it's super good. They got um, Reggie E. Kathy to to read it, and uh, I don't I don't know exactly what all he's been in. I only remember him as on the TV show Oz. He was like a an antagonistic governor or state rep- representative or something like that. But uh, the story is about this this uh, police detective whose partner gets killed in a shootout with a crazy naked man with a shotgun, and the shotgun accidentally blows a hole in the wall of the neighboring apartment. And while the the cleanup is happening, the CSI guys go and look in the other apartment, and the entire walls and floor and just everywhere in this apartment is just covered with guns with pistols just laid out in every every surface every square inch of every surface in like occult looking patterns and they haul all the guns out of there and start looking into them and it turns out every single one of them was the murder weapon in a unsolved case Huh. And so the the book is is dealing with is this detective and the two CSI guys he ends up with on his team solving this mystery. It's really good. So it's just a novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm well. I'm listening to it as audiobook, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't like start as a comic or anything. It's no, just... no. It's straight up a novel he wrote. That seems like it'd be pretty good. Yeah, it's great. D- Riff, you would know this. Mm-hmm. Have they ever released all of Transmetropolitan in like a single hardback? That you can buy. Uh, I believe there is there there is a like one of those super big uh, like sp- special edition like leather bound tome versions of it. Well, I, how I, how, I, how long I, I would that be? For certain, I want to say that there were only like four or six trade paperbacks of Trans Metropolitan. Like so it's not like a crazy amount. It's not like no, it was less than a hundred issues. Okay. It's pretty good though. Yeah, yeah, I I got the first trade paperback. I read it, liked it, never bought any of the rest of them. I think I have the exact same thing except I bought two of them but never read the second one and then I can never remember if I own the third one or not, so I never buy anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been uh, I'm caught up on Saga. Oh, Just I need to get back into that. Sixth the sixth trade. Yeah, man, I've only read the first one. Oh, it is so good. Yeah, it, it really keeps good. being yeah. keeps being good. Have you read um, Manhattan Projects? I read the first half of the first uh, issue and was sort of disinterested really? by it. Oh, I'm yeah. really into that one. I need to look and see if they've released. A What's new it about? Trade paperback. It's like, um, mm, are you familiar with Doom Patrol? No. Okay. What's that about? Uh, well, that was Grant Morrison's like super weird superhero uh, thing. Um, Manhattan Projects is imagine all the various scientists that were involved in the real life Manhattan Projects, except they're all insane in different ways and are secretly working on super weird, super future space tech. Like like Einstein is, has figured out how to make dimensional portals. <laughs> 
for for instance. And a, a short way into the series, this results in there being two Einsteins that don't like each other. So Zweisteins. Yes, Zweisteins. Yes, excellent. Um, and yeah, and it's super. All all the characters in it are super weird and just bizarre. Bizarre things happen. Yeah, I think I just didn't have enough to like ground to before I kind of lost interest in it. Uh, is it all real historical figures that are? Uh, not all of them. Like, cause I, um, the second Einstein. Yeah. The second Einstein. Uh, but the, I, th- I think like, yeah, Oppenheimer's and... in it. Uh, the, the Russian space dog is in it. <laughs> Leica. Leica. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of his, I, th- I don't, no, I don't think, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the military commander guy is a real guy. But I don't, I don't know for certain. It certainly, it definitely has like all the all the key names that you that you have heard of related to Manhattan projects are in it. Read the Manhattan Project. I read a an anecdote recently talking about how. Many of the scientists working on that project expected this weapon they were inventing to just end the concept of war hmm. <laughs> because it would be such a strong deterrent and were horrified when it was actually used. Yeah. And that's something that is that's a perspective I'd never even considered that that was something that someone working on that would believe. It's, like I, I had I'd seen a lot of like just the the idea, I think, is very, you know, widespread that the people who worked on it were just like smart kids who weren't very cognizant of what they were doing and were just solving a cool problem. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that happened too, but that was a, a perspective that I hadn't considered that the idea that like the, the, the idea that b- before it was actually used, the uh, nuclear weapons would be a, could potentially be a force for, for good. So they went from joy and relief when the bomb did not actually ignite and destroy all of Earth's atmosphere (laughs) to dismay that war continued to happen. Right. I've heard of war uh, that it (laughs) doesn't doesn't, doesn't ever really change. I've actually heard the opposite. Oh. That war has changed. Mm. (sighs) Hmm. I feel like we need to put these two guys in a room together. <laughs> Pokemon Go, huh? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I also uh, went to California Extreme. Oh, yeah. Talk about that because I fucked around and missed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, so I, I'm sure we it, met. Oh, that's true. That was like three years ago. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we've talked about this multiple times on like probably go back a year and you'll you'll hear me talking about this but it's a um a arcade game and pinball game expo that happens one weekend a year at the Hyatt Regency in Santa Clara where they fill like collectors from around the bay area fill a ballroom with uh arcade games and pinball games and you pay admission and you go in there and you play a bunch of games they're all set on set free play. play yeah yeah it's like Zapcon. It's a lot like Zapcon. That's <laughs> yeah. It's like a, and it, it you can tell it started in the '90s because of the name, and because it's time for clacks. 
Right. Yeah. There were. Yeah, I, I there played some, always time for clacks there. I played some clacks this year. Yeah, I played some of Zapcon. It's yeah. a pretty good game. It's pretty good. It was better than I remembered when I when I played it when I was a in kid. The 90s. Yeah, when I played it in the nineties. I really liked it in the nineties. Yeah. I I was really sold on the like n- sort of neon abstract aesthetic of yeah. it. No sure. Yeah. Play anything interesting? Uh my favorite games there are the same that uh, have they have historically been, although they w- haven't been there or functional for a few years. It was Magical Truck Adventure. <laughs> um which is a game, two-player co-op, where each player has... Uh, so it's... I don't know if this is actually a word for this thing, but it's truck in the sense of a hand-operated railroad, okay. uh, like mm-hmm. the kind of thing you stand on and a pump. hand truck. Oh, except I think hand truck refers to like a dolly. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. What's a truckosaurus? That's... This is the, the monster that attacked us while we were trying to ride this hand truck away from it uh each player has to pump this metal there's an each player actually has a a physical metal iron bar Hmm. metal bar that like they have to pump up and down in order to make the 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 cart go and so the idea of playing this game more than once in a row is just ludicrous because you're so exhausted by the end of it if it was popular enough it could power itself that's a good point yeah (laughs) It would. Ha- I think it would need more simultaneous players. More, you could uh, you could set one to free to play and put it in the attic of a dairy and get your butter churned for free. Yeah, <laughs> you know they used to do that. Like they have like windmills and treadmills and all sorts of mills that mm. that would grind grain. Yeah, they would mill it. They, wait, they put ducks in there? <laughs> mill. They mill the ducks, yeah. I don't actually know. I'm thinking mallard. Oh, I don't know what yeah. millet is. I think it's another plant. <laughs> Something um, you feed to ducks. No doubt. Mill it to a mallard. Uh, the other game was um, Sprint 8, uh, which is an eight-player version of Sprint. Uh, where there are... Sprint is a game where uh, it's a racing game top-down where... The steering wheel that the game gives you is a like a free spinning flywheel. Yeah. And so in order to turn your car, you kind of just throw the wheel in the direction you want to go. And when the car is turned enough, you catch the wheel, which is incredibly kinetically rewarding. Uh, and you can find sprint cabinets like that. That was a pretty popular arcade game in the 80s. Sprint and super sprint. Um, uh, sprint eight is, uh, I believe the original version of this, where it's actually eight players, so there are eight of these steering wheels around a uh, screen that's facing upwards. Okay. And I was uh, wondering how that how that was going to work because right. three people is a lot of people to have around a. Yeah, it would. It would It wouldn't really work for a screen that's facing forwards. Did you ever? I played when I worked at the movie theater when I was in high school. It had like a handful of arcade games in it. So I just played the shit out of them all the time. Cause it was at work. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was uh super off-road, mm, which right. is like the, it's like a sort of a monster truck, not a monster truck exactly, but just like a four wheel drive truck racing game. But it, that was very much a descendant of sprint. I yep. was, I was just looking to see if it was made by any of the same people. And I don't think it was, 
Some of the ports removed Ivan Stewart's name from the title due to licensing issues and are simply known as Super Off-Road. Well, they were both Atari, right? Uh, let's see. Super Off-Road is an arcade video game released in 1989 by Leland Corporation. Huh. So Leland Was Leland one of the fake Atari competitors? <laughs> oh, huh. Like I can't 89 the, would not I have can't been remember the too... name of the like the shell corporations that Nolan Bushnell made. No, it wasn't. So the Leland Corporation was a manufacturer of arcade games in the 80s and early 90s. Notable among these were Dragon's Lair 2, <laughs> uh, Super Off-Road. Uh, the company was formed when Tradewest purchased the ailing Cinematronics in 1987 and was itself purchased in 1994 by WMS Industries. So describe again where the eight steering wheels were. Like how are eight steering? How are eight of those arranged? So the the monitor is uh, facing upwards. Oh, yeah, yep. So like a cocktail cabinet. Nice. So, yeah. I remember playing a demolition derby game. I was that just was like thinking that. that. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. It was. They had it at a pizza restaurant that my parents didn't like in the, in the town that I lived in. So I never really got to go there. Do you remember the name of it? The pizza place? It was Pizza Pit. <laughs> pizza Pit? That's terrible. No wonder yeah. they didn't I wouldn't like it either. Yeah. I mean, it was it was I think objectively. Was there just a pit that you would reach in and get pretty some gross? Pizza? <laughs> I as a kid, I remember like I couldn't have believed that this was true, so it must have just been a joke that I made as a kid. <laughs> it referred to the little pits of grease that were formed when the pepperonis <laughs> curled up because oh, yeah. it was the only place that I ever went that they had the like Thick prison grade pepperoni slices that would do that, <laughs> yeah. As opposed to like nice thin ones that wouldn't, right? Uh, all, all of my mom's frozen pizzas had the little yeah. grease cups. I kind of, I kind of like those because the edges of them get all crunchy. Well, yeah. the pepperoni itself is good, but you have to like dump out your pizza well, before you yeah. eat it, or you drink the grease because oh, you're a God. kid and what it's awesome. Yeah. It's like it's... shots, like tiny. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, Tom Cruise drinking out of those little clay cups that he made with his fingertips in Legend. Yeah, or like a diva cup. <laughs> ah, Jim. Oh, show over. <laughs> God. Uh. You know how they apparently do this thing at baby showers where they melt a candy bar into a diaper and then you have to identify what kind of candy bar it is based on looking at it? Uh, no. Never heard of that? <laughs> Apparently it's a thing. I've heard about it on multiple TV shows. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you could just... Okay, so do you guys remember at the Exploratorium how they had that toilet that was a drinking fountain just what, built into a was, toilet? Was this an exhibit? Yeah. <laughs> just, it, no, it really was. It was just a drinking fountain out in the middle of the floor. And like, hey, are you willing to drink out of this? Most people aren't because it was just a drinking fountain that was built into a toilet. And I'm like whatever I just want to be drinking like yeah. it's a fucking drinking fountain it's obviously they're not going to use it then I took a shit in it I mean <laughs> are you willing to shit in this drinking fountain but what I what, here's what I'm suggesting a party where the theme is all of the drinks are shots done out of diva cups oh yeah oh. I, I thought you were going to say a party where half of the diapers have, have like I would attend that shot, party yeah half oh. of them not oh yeah like a russian roulette like like yeah. those jelly beans the the oh, um, yeah. 
the birdie bots, every flavor beans. Yeah. You could serve like bloody, like a chunky Mary, which is a bloody Mary made with salsa instead of tomato juice. Uh, I hadn't heard of that. Wow. It was, it's just a thing I made up for KOL, but okay. It's <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. No, right. I mean, that's pretty funny. I, it can't have been original. <laughs> yeah. Serve that in a diva cup. Mm hmm. I can't believe you're continuing this thread of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have any, we never have any women on the podcast. We have to represent them somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's doing Good a great job. job. Yeah. <laughs> Riff. <laughs> have you been playing any video games? Uh, I'm trying to think of something other than Pokemon Go, but. Uh, Dude, no, have you had any experiences really. with Pokemon Go that are worth, that are worth reexamining? Are you, anything new since I, last week? I bought a new pair of shoes. I got, I got, in, I got some in, nice. In, I thought until the very last minute that you were going to say a parachute, and I, I thought maybe there was some yeah. sky type Pokemon the, that you can only catch in midair. Well, sure, yeah, the birds, the bird type Pokemon's are a lot easier to catch up, and you know you have to get a certain distance above the ground. Did you see Neil C. C. Ariga's, uh remake of the Pokemon? Rap? I have watched oh, that yeah. so That's many good. times, and then it's... I made a Google Doc that correlates <laughs> the actual names to the new names, and also so, like all the numbers, so that you send can send me a link sort to that. <laughs> yep. Wow. So you should just write some puzzles based on. Oh, that. I could. I really, I really just did that would it be a so pretty good I could start. easily rename all my Pokemon Go guys to Neil Cicerega's names. <laughs> That would be a pretty good starting point for a mystery hunt puzzle, actually, is oh, just yeah. that that video yeah. Oh, yeah. and then some puzzle embedded in the relationship between the, like, basically, step one is to make the spreadsheet that Riff made. Let's get on that. No, let's not. <laughs> Diva Cup sounds like one of those Pokemons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what does it evolve into? Shark Week. <laughs> Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm sorry. So I went down to Mountain View and my mom showed me the place where she likes to go poke walking. And it's this park that I don't remember the name of. It's near a library. So if you're in Mountain View, you probably know what I mean. Uh, and there we went there like at two in the afternoon and there were probably 50 to 75 people all playing Pokemon Go. Yeah. In like around these, like there are four Pokestops all lured up. There was a a kid at a folding table selling cookies nice. with painted like uh, frosted like Pokeballs. Entrepreneurs. Yeah, and we just like you 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 walk in this circuit around all the uh, all the Pokestops, and it takes about five minutes to make the circuit. And you just keep going because that's how long it takes for them to refresh. So that's a question that I have as somebody who's never played. Uh, if you catch a Pokemon at a Pokestop, that, that does not prevent somebody else from catching the Pokemon at that stop? Yeah. The, well, the stops are, are only loosely related to the appearances of the Pokemon themselves. But if there's a Pokemon, uh, multiple people can catch it before it disappears. I don't know if okay. there's like it's a on, timeout. I think it's on a timer. I was yeah. asking. Yeah. Timer, yeah. I've heard I it went, rumored that the extremely rare ones are single catch but i don't think that's been oh that's confirmed. interesting yeah i bet they're just on a shorter timer that's probably it actually yeah the the observation i made and i'm, I'm surprised i haven't seen anybody else make this because it's kind of obvious in retrospect is that in the pokemon universe everybody every npc's hobby is pokemon mm -hmm. this is just what everybody does in that world it's the only the only hobby anybody ever has 
And for this magical month, this is the same thing in our world. <laughs> it's it's happening here. Are there like crotchety old men that tell you to get off their lawn that don't <laughs> enjoy Pokemon? No, in the, the po- crotchety Pokemon old men games? send their Pokemon after you. Yeah. In, in Pokemon. I mean, there's the actually. I, I that's a good I, idea though. I realized the other day that because the the three factions in the game are what team mystic team valor and team instinct all the dudes named team whatever in all of the main pokemon games like team galactic and team rocket those are all the bad guys yeah so the players of pokemon go are probably the bad guys in this story (laughs) that's uh that's compelling. I mean, you are going around capturing innocent creatures and putting them in balls. Well, the, no, the bad yeah, guys in Pokemon are people bad. trying to stop you from doing that. Or or are Wait, doing what? it in order to <laughs> like destroy yeah. the universe in yeah, some exactly. way or something. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah the different teams have dif- different evil plans, but it usually boils down to something like that. Wasn't there a Pokemon game where like the bad guys were arguing that this is like slavery and yeah, it's wrong? there was. I forget which one it was. The but, bad guys? Uh-huh. Yeah. Just the guys. The bad guys were a bunch of fucking hippies. That yeah. Did. Yep. <laughs> huh. uh, well, did they eventually get their comeuppance? They must have, right? I haven't played that one, though. Uh, did the Pokemon explain that? No, in fact, Maggie Gyllenhaal is actually, if you think about it, exerting a kind of control over James Spader over the course uh-huh. of this. And so it's not. Anyway. Uh, I played about 10 hours of magic the gathering wow. this weekend oh the the intro thing the new yeah set. the new the new the pre-release for the new set i did two uh, different sealed events one is on that, saturday and one on sunday is it it's, awesome it's yeah it's it's awesome it's Great. it's got uh I've already it got finally favorite. it finally sort of delivers on what the sort of ancient god behemoth things from the last set were supposed to be by putting them in a gothic horror context, nice. which makes them read way more as Lovecraftian <laughs> yeah, Elder which Gods. Yeah, it, it makes it exactly Bloodborne <laughs> because <Yeah>. of werewolves <laughs> right. in the last one and Elder Gods in the next one. Gooby, tick, tick the Bloodborne box. Good. And it's uh, it was fun. Mostly what I wanted to mention, though, was that there were, there were a lot more, like when you play on during the day on Saturdays and Sundays, there are a lot more kids there than on the sort of late Friday night normal play uh, events and I would say that only about a third of the kids were playing Pokemon Go. Mm. More of the adults there were playing Pokemon Go than than kids. I guess it's possible that because it's the first 150 that the smaller kids don't have the nostalgia for that set of guys. Uh, That's definitely true but I also think that just Nintendo had a much stronger hold on eight-year-olds in 1996. Uh, that makes sense too. Do and do kids just not have phones necessarily? Like I know a lot of them oh, yeah. do, but that's not a everybody. good point too. Yeah. We I ran into a feel like the kids whose dads drop them off at a Magic the Gathering event <laughs> on a Saturday probably have smartphones. Other oh, dads not there though. Sometimes okay. there, there were se- there were several like dad son pairs, and then there were several kids who, you know, when you have the conversation that you have with a stranger, how long you've been playing Magic? When did you take a twenty year break? Oh, you're eleven, so you haven't <laughs> yet. Uh, 
you know, but it was always, oh yeah, that's a, your story is the exact same story that my dad has. I'm like, uh, cool. <laughs> when, when, uh, the previous pre-release, when I went and played that with, with Gary Butterfield, there were a couple kids there that I ended up having to play and it was, it was difficult for me because they still, they were young enough that they still had that kind of lisp and that high, and their voices were high enough in this sort of high, pitch register that it just made it super hard for me to understand what the hell they were saying at any given time. Yeah, it sounded like bats. <laughs> huh. Uh, didn't experience that. Sorry, Riff. I'm sorry that <laughs> yes. you were playing with weird bat children. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've, 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 uh, I've aged to the point where no lo- not only can I no longer hear the mosquito noise, I actually just can't hear children. <laughs> good. In some ways, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty good, I pretty also, cool. Pretty I forgot cool. that I kind of played something like a video game. Uh, Wes, the animator, is in town for work this week, and we went to uh, the Gestalt House bar and pinball emporium in the, in the fabulous Mission District of San Francisco, California, last night and played a bunch of the Stern just made a Ghostbusters pinball machine that's based on the original two movies. Hmm. <laughs> um, it was it was really interesting Learning a new machine with someone who knows way, way, way more about pinball than I do because there was a kind of skill shot that I didn't even know about that is apparently a trope of pinball now. How does, how does it so work? So there was the skill shot and the super skill shot. So it had a, it had a spring loaded plunger so that you were afforded a bunch of control over where the ball got to, right? And there were, if you just pulled it all the way, it just goes all the way around one of the orbits backwards and slams down onto the left flipper. There are three channels in the middle of that arc that it can drop through if you, if you get it up there and you could, when you were picking the skill shot, one flipper button controlled which channel counted as the skill shot. Hmm. The other one did something that we couldn't understand for a long time, which turned out to be, uh, and apparently this is, like I said, a common trope of newer pinball machines, the super skill shot, which was you were picking a shot on the table, just like one of the orbits or one of the ramps or one of the like sort of side scoop things. Just one of those was lit up. And if you held the left flipper down while you pull the plunger back all the way, so you fire the ball as hard as it goes and it bounces off the left flipper. And then on your first shot, you hit the one that you called. You get whatever that like super bonus huh. thing wow. is. And it's really hard, but you can, I mean, you can do it. Like it was fun to play the same pinball machine that neither of us had ever played for just like a couple of hours and just sort of learn how the modes work and learn how to get better at it and actually start seeing like, gaining the ability over time to like hit shots on purpose and stuff it's that's really cool it it seems like a it's not like an amazing game it didn't there was nothing about it that just like felt really grabby to me the way that some machines do but it was fun i would definitely go back and play it some more they also had beer at the bar and you would drink some more of that i would drink some more of that yeah was having Lone Star beer. Huh. Never even heard of that. It's like Texas PBR. Okay. 
That is actually, that's actually a bad comparison. It's like Texas uh, Rainier Ale or Narragansett or one of the like regional Olympia, like one of the regional okay. sort of. So like just a little bit more. Three, to two, it, but not a whole lot. Loggers. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Kevin? I, uh, I did a QA pass through Quadrilateral Cowboy, and that is a great game. How buggy is it? It's not very. There were like, there, there was nothing major wrong with it, and all the stuff that I found was really minor things. Cool. Um, which is good because it's like coming out in less than a week, I think, um, at this point. Uh, How different is it than the version that I played? A year ago. There's a lot more of it. Uh, linearly or spreading out? Linearly. Okay. It's The levels are pretty linear, um, but they're like, they're great. You know, you, you tend, I think most of them have multiple passes through in different ways for different objectives. Um, this, the environment is really solid. There's the story. There's like a bit of a sort of narrative arc in it and it's great I, I don't know I just I really really like it I hope I hope it does well and comes uh, out like this weekend Monday, Monday? yeah something like that yeah I'm excited uh, and then I played the sort of very early I think it's very early sort of version of bump Two, Aaron Steed's new game which yeah. is exciting. video games hot dog favorite bump yeah uh, I'm excited about that too uh I don't know. That one seems like it's it's sort of just very early stages, um, but it's it's cool and it's hard. Um, I've not yet in the original bump. It was not that hard to get to the end of your like allotted turns, and I've not oh yet, to like survive to the end of the timer. Yeah. yeah, and I've not yet been able to survive to the end of my timer on this one. Um, it's a combo based roguelike platformer. It's not. This no, one's not a top down. It's, it's more like his down. other Fuck game that I can that. never remember the it's, name of. So I was a little disappointed by that, but it's what's it's this guy's name? Aaron Steed. Fuck you, Aaron Steed. Oh come on! <laughs> you want you want you're, more like turn based platformers? You're, you're probably a fine person, Aaron Steed. Ending the g- oh, the ending. game that is impossible to Google. Yeah. That you can only find if you know that guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> what's the vampire one that he made? It might have been a Nitrome game. Uh, Aaron Steed games, he Googled. Um, because like, there was also a turn-based vampire platformer that was really cool and good. By the same person? I'm pretty sure that Aaron Steed designed it. I don't know if he mm, that programmed should, it. I should check that out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm way into the turn-based platformer uh, idea. And then he, I think he also designed the, what is it, the Rust Bucket games for Nitrome? Oh, yeah. So he's, he's been pretty prolific. Uh, I very much like his style. Um, and then I played. Uh, was it Consolvania? I don't think so. <laughs> I, all I can see is a lot of uh, man, a lot of broken links. Ah, that's too bad. Was it you don't know Jack? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, he made the Fancy Pants Adventures. Those flash games where you like the platformers where you were just a dude running around and I don't know. Were uh, they, they turn based? They were not. I, if, if he did, are these just links to games or games that he made? These can't all be games that he made. No. Because he did not make You Don't Know Jack. Some people make lots of games. He didn't work on You Don't Know Jack. Well, he might have worked on it, I guess. that was, But that was like a 
whole company. No, I think this is like this guy's ancient blog. Okay. That just has a sidebar links to a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then I also played uh, some Factory Idol because uh, oh, yeah. Zach had recommended that. And I've been it is that too. pretty good. It's by the. It, did we ever confirm that it is the guy from formerly of Zachtronics? Uh, that made I don't know I did not confirm it but it, it does not surprise me if it is it's, Reactor Incremental yeah. is the game that we know that he made yes. Reactor Idol plays very similarly and uses a lot of the same art assets but it might have ripped that guy oh, off that's possible I guess yeah yeah. I don't remember his name yeah I don't either uh, Factory Idol is fun though it's it's a lot like Big Pharma uh, yeah. in that you're setting up like you've got this thing produces 10 coal every tick and this thing produces four iron ore every tick. And then, you know, you run a conveyor belt out of it and it starts doing that and it's consuming money to do that. And then you have a smelter that you hook it up to and then that converts this much ore into this much iron over time. And then you can ship that out to a thing that sells iron or into a lab that analyzes iron and produces research papers that can then be fed into a research room. It sounds like Factorio. Um, a little bit. It, it is actually a lot like Factorio, except that there's it no, is... There's no aliens. It's too... Oh, it's not, I'm into it. It's, yeah, it also doesn't have the worst graphics in the world. They're pretty basic, but they're very they're clear. They're parsable, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's 2D... Just sort of cartoony. Yep. Not really intended to be a representation of anything. Yeah, they're just boxes that are the devices. But everything is a different shape, and so a lot of it is like, okay, well, now that I have these upgrades, a steel-producing thing requires this much iron, which I can get if I split the output of three iron producers into two of them. That's the most efficient use of space. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think and about that. That's like, a good point. And so you're just sort of trying to figure out how to get the most income out of the most space so that you can leave it running overnight so that when you get back in the morning, you can buy some more space. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... I have I have barely scratched the surface of the possibilities space because there's like four giant versions of the factories and I'm maybe a third of the way through the first set of spaces. It's a, what I what I wish, I mean, what I was telling Kevin at dinner is what I wish is that they would... There were a game that had these mechanics, except it was like, here's a space. Here are some things that you can build. Here's an objective to right. achieve within a certain amount of time. Cool. Now on to level two, as opposed to it just being a, this is a numbers get bigger forever Do you, with so no you, And you don't feel like Infinifactory is that thing? I feel like Infinifactory is that thing with an added third dimension that creates a level of complexity that I'm not really capable of. Okay. You mean a literal third dimension? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, so the spoiler, our assignment for next week is going to be Big Pharma. And it is basically exactly what I'm at, what I was what asking want. for with this. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, uh, except it isn't free. <laughs> and you're making drugs. Yeah. And it's got like it's got some other more complicated things like the 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 resources are simpler in Factory Idol than they are in Big Pharma because it's like this is a chemical that exhibits these properties at this oh, right. concentration and these properties at this concentration and you need to there's a machine that reduces the concentration of whatever goes into it and here's one that you know oh, that's interesting yeah it's really I think you're really gonna like it okay. 
cool. So uh, besides like Hearthstone, that's all I've been playing. Yeah, fucking Hearthstone. Just Good. Tick that box too. Good. Yep. You guys talked about Bloodborne for like a second. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Anybody else got anything else to talk about before we get to this assignment? I played uh, yes. Super Mario Star Road. What's that? What is that? Yeah. Which is a, a, uh, a ROM hack of Mario 64. Okay. And I had heard about this for a long time as a very high quality ROM hack as ROM hacks go. Uh, and so I decided to check it out. And then the process for installing it was actually just incredibly laborious. There was like... There was this huge document on how to install it, and it came with like four or five different utilities that you had to wow. process the ROM with. Um, Dang. And you needed to use a specific emulator. Like, Why um, does nobody just package this up for I Maybe I just got the wrong – maybe someone did, and I just got the wrong one, but I downloaded the one that said final on it. <laughs> okay. Because so. as, as you know, as somebody who makes – computer games anytime you name something final it is definitely a final yeah that's that's how it always works yeah um and it's it's actually really well made um like it it's not quite as like there's definitely a a, you can tell this is not as polished as a uh a nintendo designed level uh but it's it's pretty close to what they made in 1996 in that game. Um, th- the major difference being that uh, it's made by someone who has clearly played this game for hundreds and hundreds of hours and is very good at it. Okay. And so, like, even level one uh, is pretty hard. Oh, huh. Uh, which I found very frustrating. It's not. It's certainly not as bad as the... Uh, the ROM hack ethos of that I that it, I I had when I went to check out like modded Super Mario Brothers in Nesticle in the nineties, uh, where every every ROM hacker was trying to make the hardest level ever, um, and they would usually name their level the hardest level ever. Um, so is it, this is trying to be interesting, but it's trying to be like a oh, I basically an expansion pack for Mario sixty four. Okay. Um. But to appeal, I, I don't know if this was a deliberate decision or just how it hap- how it turned out, but to appeal to the kind of person who's uh, played Mario 64 a lot and wants a challenge. And willing to spend four hours installing a game or whatever. It, it was more like an hour. Oh, okay. Um, and like I have, I, I have played Mario 64 a lot, and so I'm able to do this stuff, but I don't know if I just don't have the patience for it anymore, but like I am not really interested in a super difficult platforming challenge these days. I'm much more interested in like, yeah, I'll, I'll engage with these mechanics because they feel good, but I, I just want to explore a space. And this game has that for like, I could, I, I could pretty reasonably explore like the first four levels before it got too hard for me to push forward without really working at it. So that was incredible actually. Like I thought that was really cool for like a one dude to have made this ROM hack that feels that approaches the feel of the quality of the original game. And are the mechanics all the same? Like Yeah, they're identical. They're identical. It's okay. just uh new levels. Just level new, design. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty pleased with that. I, I, I put up a um a video of myself playing this game. You I mean, including the game, not just my face. Um <laughs> A reaction. A reaction. Yeah, <laughs> Jim reacts to. 
<laughs> I can't use the word reacts because they trademarked that. Um, and I played uh, Pokemon Red. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Uh, I picked this up, like, in reaction to, like, basically it was because so much of the time when I play Pokemon Go, I just can't connect to it. Uh, because the servers are broken. Oh, not not. I like, you meant like emotionally. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought too. Yeah. Um. So I picked up this, you know, this old RPG, and I wasn't really sure what to expect. I kind of expected that it would be, um, like I, I had played Pokemon Black, and Pokemon Black had a bunch of like I had a bunch of grievances with that. I don't think I ended up finishing it. I did play a bunch of it. I how long? A bunch of dudes. How? How long ago was Pokemon Red and how long ago was Pokemon Black? Pokemon Black was like five years ago. Okay. And Pokemon Red was 20. So Black was like 3DS. Uh, Black was, I think, the last DS Pokemon. Okay. Yeah. Um, When you say Black, like, was that part of like Black and White or uh something? Black and White. And Black and White were a a pair of games released at the same time that Mm -hmm. were basically the same game with just slightly different, like, content. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you say and some some Pokemon appear in one that don't appear right. in the other one. And so but do people refer to that as Pokemon Black canonically or Oh, I mean I just I called it black because that's the one I played. Well no, I guess that's my question. like like would you people <sighs> I think they say black and white. I mean Riff, what do you what do you call it? Um I hadn't really thought about it. The 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 copy I have is black. I haven't got around to playing it yet because it's later on in the order, but I guess if if I were referring to that generation of games rather than that particular cart, I would say black and white. Yeah. Do people do people have like a uh, like a an allegiance to a particular version of a cart? Like if so, if you was was it red and blue that were the two? Yeah. Right. In Japan, so like, it was red and green, but yeah. But otherwise, it was identical ROMs. It was just changed, they changed the name of it. Do so, but do people like feel like, oh, I I play Pokemon Red and you play Pokemon Blue, so we can be friends? Or? Well, no, it's, no the it's, yeah, it's the opposite. We have to be friends. we have to be friends so that we can trade the Pokemons that only exist in our versions with a Game Boy Link cable. Yep. Okay. Yeah, like no, if you if I have Red and you play Pokemon Red, you're just dead to me. Okay. Like I, <laughs> Have you seen you know, th- Jim the uh, uh, the the Pokemon Blue glitch exhibition they did at the last SGDQ? No, that sounds like oh. something I'd have to check out. Look that up. So it's we're super old cool. Pokemon get put out to pasture, and then when they can't stud anymore, they're sent to the factory to be turned into Pokemon glue. Yeah, Pokemon candies. Th- there is a mechanic like that in Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you make them into candy. Uh huh. Cat- so. What are your feelings about how the series has progressed? It basically hasn't. <laughs> I was really surprised by this. Like I, I had played Pokemon Black and I had a bunch of grievances with it, and but I also recognized a bunch of like niceties, like like you can speed up the battles by turning off the animations, mm-hmm. and you can change the RPG text text appearance and like things like that. Um, and I had grievances like, well, wh- why is it that like when you go up to the the person who heals all your Pokemon, you have to thumb through the same 
dialogue about whether you want to heal your Pokemon and then you say yes and they <laughs> say okay we're going to heal your Pokemon and there's that animation it really like there should be yeah yeah um and maybe that's why they do it because they want to play that jingle but like mm-hmm. it's like it's crafting in Paper Mario yeah yeah why not just like have a little square outside of the Pocus whatever you call it in those games where you run over that square and your Pokemon are healed like after you've done it once there even. is like if one you really want me to see Pokemon red and blue really yeah and there's a dungeon that has one of those in the middle of it because it's too far from oh that's that's well so it sounds like a ROM hack could just trivially add that outside of every one of these I should be playing a ROM hack instead. <laughs> um, and I remember, like, when I played Black, I was like, wow, they probably, like, worked their way up to all these niceties over the course of 20 years. But they had them from the start. They had them from the start. Yeah. It's, it was exactly as good and as bad. Yeah. Pretty much the only thing that, that's different in the modern ones is the graphical quality and the number of mini games. Okay. Yeah. So one thing I liked a lot more about Pokemon Red. Like, when I played Black, um, I was really frustrated by all the people who would accost me on the street and insist I fight them. Mm-hmm. What, uh, like, literally running into people while you were walking from place to place? Or yeah, they, they they come up to you while you walk... In the game. In the game. Yeah, oh, because yeah. this is not an AR game. Right. <laughs> right. Right. This is not a thing where... They they recognize that you're playing Pokemon Black and they're they've got Pokemon right Black because if they did this in fight. Pokemon Go I would just say fuck you and walk away okay and I still said fuck you in Pokemon Black but I couldn't walk away because the b- transition into the battle animation um I remember being really frustrated by that like just thematically like no I don't want to fight you dude so these are like these are like wandering monsters or effectively or but or, but they're themed like you know just people whose hobbies are I want to. But there are like in red, like you fight this hiker. He's called hiker and he's like dressed up like he's a mountain climber and he's got a certain theme of Pokemon. And yeah. I don't remember what it was in black, but in red, these things, because just because of the abstraction of the game, because it feels like it's, this is a lot more acceptable to me because it's just like, Oh yeah, this is just a hazard. Yeah. Cause they're, uh, they're it, important because those are the only way you get money. Because yeah, regular random like, Pokemon don't drop any money. That's actually interesting. In terms of balance, there's a finite amount of money in the game. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. So you can run out of money to buy more Pokeballs, and you could just, like, if you haven't caught them all by that time, you're just fucked. <laughs> Pretty much. I think you wow. can... There's no way to just grind money? You might be able to fight the Elite Four over once you've beaten them, but that's way end game. Yeah. In in, yeah, in and, later and also, games in the series, they implemented a device that would let you like go to trainers that you'd fought before and ask them if they want to fight again, and sometimes they'll say yes. Okay. But it's not in Red Blue yet. Right. Uh, also, in in Red Blue, at least, it's by far the best way to to grind to just level up your Pokemon yeah. is just to advance in the world and fight. Like, because the the random encounters are. Um, not very they're not very tough but yeah I, i've been really i've been really enjoying it although i just got to the point where like i need a um a hidden move i think it's called to advance and i have no idea where in the world it is and like you, there's no fast travel yet mm. so like finding it i, I even like 
even having looked up on the internet where it is, it's still incredibly arduous to get back to it because I have to backtrack through all these uh, paths, these forest paths and cave paths that I went through. So I'm not sure I'm going to actually get any further in the game, but I think I have three badges. So I've played enough of it that I feel like I've got a good sense of where that series started. And it's, it's pretty like the magic is already there. Like, very clearly of like going out into the wilderness and capturing these monsters and, and be effectively like befriending them or enslaving them. However you want to think about it and beating little kids up and taking their money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and the kind of kid who would play this game usually is the one getting beaten up. <laughs> so this is kind of like a, a bully fantasy for the oppressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every video game really. Hmm. Okay. I am unreasonably pumped about the um that they announced a NES like a mini NES that has like 30 yeah. built-in games. I'm going to fucking buy one of those too oh, yeah. and I know I'm never going to play it but I just want it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like oh it's a good list of games, not like I can think of like probably a half a dozen games I would sub in but like pretty good and like when I talk to people about it, they say things like, oh, I've got a Raspberry Pi hooked up to my TV with every NES game on it. But, like... That doesn't look like a tiny Nintendo. Yeah. The no, fuck out of here. Like, I c- I've been emulating NES games for probably 20 years. Yeah. So that's not special. That tiny NES, that's special. Just because of the shape. And it, you know, you can plug in NES controller-shaped things to yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Also, those those will work on your Wii. And just play it on a TV. Yep. Yep. I do, I mean, yeah, if they do work on your Wii, then you can also just use them to play any virtual console game. Yep. 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 I probably won't actually buy it. I probably will. I don't know when it's going to come out. I probably won't notice when it does. It's I November. To it. Oh. I, I think it's going to be impossible to miss. I think this is like a, like how Pokemon Go is so successful because they take this brand that everybody has history with, but nobody wants to buy a Nintendo platform now. I think this thing is going to be successful for the same reason. I, do you remember in the early 2000s, they sold basically an Atari emulator inside an Atari joystick Hmm. that you just, it was just an Atari joystick with a, uh, just an S video out. Okay. Uh, I, I've seen things like that. And I've seen things like this NES too, frankly, like that one was like, I only ever remember seeing it at the, like as seen on TV mall kiosks, right. As opposed to like it being a, craze that sweeps the nation like you're anticipating that this will but yeah i think you're right i think if i'm actually surprised that the because the atari 2600 was the culturally just as big i think or not quite as big but very big yeah comparable to the nes and i'm surprised that well actually i have no idea how it sold yeah i don't either yeah i think i have one yeah Good selection of games? I don't remember. Somebody might have gotten me one as a gift and I just never plugged it in because, again, like, I I, I mean, I just had, I've sort of had an Atari my yeah. entire life. Sure. I have a lot of them now for Zapcon. Right. So the, the 
I think it's called the Nintendo Classics NES series or something is what the piece of what the, what the device is called. Apparently, it has save states. Nice. So, I think it's based. I, the rumors are that it's based on the 3DS hardware, and it's powered by USB. Like, it has an AC adapter, but the AC adapter is a USB cable and then a USB AC thing. Yeah. What are the? Do you know what the outputs are? Video uh, outputs. Probably oh, just HDMI. I think it is. I think it is just HDMI. Yeah. Okay. Because that is the sort of most universal thing that has video and sound now. Right. Yep. Yeah, just for cost, like just to keep cost down, is I think just that's having... pretty satisfying. Uh, like an HDMI out Nintendo console. console. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would be nice if you could buy any Nintendo game for it for a dollar. <sighs> like, yeah, I mean, in, and like... obviously, the, like we don't live in a world where that's ever going to happen in anything other than the like unstoppable enthusiast archival scene. <laughs> But, like, it just sucks that this stuff that, like, well, technically they don't own the rights to it to be able to sell it. But it's, like, nobody who cares about it does, maybe. Yeah. Or probably in some cases they do, which is why it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's interesting to consider that a lot of these games are Konami games. And Konami is, like... I don't know. I guess it's they don't they don't have to do much work to license their uh, old stuff, but like they're not doing video games anymore. Right? They're only making like pachinko machines and slot machines, right? At yeah. this point, yeah. And what's Mike Tyson doing? Like <laughs> he could license Raising pigeons. I think I. So but, I mean, they had to stop selling that because of Mike Tyson. Ago, yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah. it's uh, yeah. That was something that like they they told, were talking about on the bombcast um, that they didn't stop. They, they don't want the Mike Tyson's license anymore because he's not a good person. <laughs> like they don't want to be associated with that brand. It's weird though. The, the version of Mike Tyson in that game is fine. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it represents a beat sort of like of child's naive understanding of Mike Tyson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Someone who would I beat mean, the shit out of you. I'm guessing that like most <laughs> boxers, not like super state, like, the stable good guy probably doesn't – I mean, you know, Manny Pacquiao, whatever, local hero. I'm sure there are exceptions. Mom, but, like, golly. boxers yeah. and UFC guys probably born of the kind of fucked up tragedy that's going to create some problems for you. I would more ex- so yeah. than, like, yeah. say, I don't know, guys who are Olympic really, skiers Really or good whatever. at anything but beating people up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did see some, like what I've read of Muhammad Ali, I saw this fantastic uh, piece that Roger Ebert did around the release of Rocky II, where he watched Rocky II with Muhammad Ali and they talked about it. Hmm. Wow. Um, and that gave me a really positive impression of Muhammad Ali as like someone to hang out with hmm. and someone who is like sharp and observant. And yeah, that I like that guy based only on that one data point. <laughs> He's dead now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just so is Roger Ebert. Oh, right. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, they're both dead, or are they? This assignment <laughs> inside. <laughs> good, huh. good, yeah, segue. good, good segue. Segue there. Uh, I'm pleased. <laughs> How spoilery do we want this to? be? I think 100 percent spoilery. Like, uh, I not right away though. 
so let let people. I, I think we should. Run away. We will tell you, I guess, the point at which I don't know what there is to say about it without talking about the 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 spoilery parts. We'll tell you the point at which you should just know that our next assignment is big pharma and turn off the podcast. turn off the podcast. yeah. That's, like we don't have much to say. We're not going to time it. There's going to be nothing after that. But so this is clearly a successor to Limbo. Yeah. It, oh yeah. yeah. Felt it's the same in a lot of ways. Like, but like just so graphically much upgraded and less whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, I, I actually played a little bit of Limbo to compare, and it's way more frustrating. Limbo is. Yeah, I bounced off of Limbo midway through from having to like reset a puzzle where I just had to execute the first part of the puzzle over and over again. And we talked about this a little bit when only I had played it, but there are definitely some cases in inside where you the checkpointing is not perfect. Like there are times when I started to get really frustrated. Some of them, it It turns out, were optional. Oh, yeah. Um, The only times that I got frustrated were when I was like, is there something down in this pit? How do I find out? Like I can climb, <laughs> I can climb down a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so, but I would do that, but I would do it like 20 times to make sure that there wasn't some trick about how oh. to jump in uh, yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like that was the only time where I was like, ah, I wish that would, I wish this was just a little more signposted so that I knew. It seemed yeah. like the things that were like that upon hitting the ground, you'd hit the ground next to a bin full of stuff. Or something, and you could say, yeah. Eventually, All right, if I figure that, that out, but but the first two or three pits, like the the one that I'm thinking of, is the the very first one where the dog chases you and you jump off. You oh, can no climb word. really quite far down on that right hand side, and I was like, oh man, I'm not that far from the ground at this point. But if I fall, if I jump down, I, I die. So I was like, is there some point on the left where I can like grab something there and then I jump back? You know, like so I spent a lot of time exploring that and not finding anything. It. This felt like if I wanted the kid to move a thing, it didn't matter where I was standing as long as I was kind of near it. The animation system would oh, figure yeah, out how to get the kid to move it, and I, that was just been, really. I was really, really impressed impressive. with just the animation system in general in this game, and we'll oh, get yeah. to we'll get to more of that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just for the people who haven't played it, this is like a it's a puzzle platformer. Yeah. Um, without a without a lot of the, platforming, with it without a lot of and, and actually much less puzzling than you'd expect to. Yeah. Um. In the it reminded me in, in terms of storytelling, it reminded me a lot of Out of This World. That's yeah. what a lot of people yeah. have said. I never played any of those because when I tried, I always got frustrated with my inability to survive the first couple of screens. But yeah. That's kind of what it is. It's just figure out how to survive this based a lot of the time on trial and error, just die a bunch of times until you figure out how to not die. Yeah, it's really hard to go back to out of this world now. It's, it's, uh... I mean, I bet it would be fun to watch a video of somebody can, playing it successfully, you, although it's, I feel like it's kind of like Dragon's Lair in that a lot of the fun of it is seeing all the crazy deaths. Uh-huh, for sure. I sort of felt like I was missing out a little bit when I would successfully navigate something in the inside first time. on the first oh, try. yeah, yeah. yeah. But never enough to like waste time by getting killed on purpose. Oh, I right. I got killed on purpose a lot. I would be like, I would go back. I would I would like get to it. I would I would keep playing forward until I got to a checkpoint because I would check the load screen to make sure I could go back, and then I would go back and kill myself all the possible ways I could, just to see what that were like. Because some of them were really cool, and some of them were really grisly, like a lot of like really grisly ways to die. A lot of being eaten by dogs. Yeah, I was really oh, frustrated with all of the parts that involved dogs, like the the. The part the, that the that fence. bothered me, yeah, like the and fence. that because I eventually it wasn't... figured it out. Like you, b- th- like 
you, there's two different ways of dismounting the fence, mm-hmm. one of which slows you way down but is avoidable, right? If you jump off the fence before the dogs are there on the other side, it took forever for me to figure it. Like I, that was the closest I came to quitting was oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. because it was like, here's this difficult thing to execute, figure it out and then do it. I don't know how many times. It was like Turns four out, times I, in a row. Yeah. I, I that was the up, part that bothered me. Was I ended that, up like, having to watch a, a playthrough of it, but fortunately I managed to find one without commentary. And that was yeah. that was definitely the thing that that was the place where the guy playing it died the most times was that that fence and those three dogs. You did you guys get through the thing through that hole? push the cabinet down and then stand on the cabinet because the dogs will eat you on top of the cabinet. You have to do it all over again. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. It I, is I, really I, rough. I would have absolutely expected there to be a checkpoint. Like, I know. Wow. Yeah. It was, re- I was like, okay, that was, that was I, a little so frustrating. The parts with frustrating checkpointing were always parts where it would have had to also be tracking the position of something else. Right. Other than you. And mm. I think that it did because some of the underwater parts where you're being chased by the girls, Oh, the underwater kid is such a dick. <laughs> I didn't read it as a girl. I just read it as yeah, a boy I, with long hair. That's yeah, same. Huh. I guess I just, I guess I was just like, oh, it's that trope of the little creepy Japanese girl. Uh, it does look a lot like that. I yeah. assumed there was going to yeah. be a time travel thing and that the main character kid was going to turn into that. That it was well, you. Yeah, we, we, you, I think you know, spo- and you, we'll it's, talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. I feel like we, we should we should come back to this because there's uh, I feel like there's another possible read on those as well. Um, yeah. So you're just going. You're sort of trying to escape from these guys in vans yeah. at first, and it's then not like I had, my my read on it at first was that you were like sneaking into this facility. It's not. It's never made clear. Like it's there, not, are, yeah, there exactly. are no words in this game, which yeah. I think is incredible. Which is yeah. great. There's, there's a lot of music that is creepy, and I don't know. I don't think it's creepy because of this weird thing that they did while they were recording it. But oh, right. the thing that they did while they were recording it is very creepy. Which is that a lot of the sounds were acoustically piped through a human skull. <laughs> <laughs> Like they just had this machine that had like sound into one side of so, a skull, and then that sound so went from a like a, a wire on the other side to a, the jawbone from the skull, like, and then from the other end of the jawbone <laughs> into a thing that was recording it, and it so, was like so like a talk box, like Peter Frampton is. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, it was Peter Frampton's skull. Yeah, <laughs> so it was literally it was, his talk it was, box. It was on loan from the Mütter Museum. <laughs> um, That's incredible. Uh it's it's very very atmospheric, very spooky, very pr- it it reminded me a lot of Trine in the ways okay. that the scenes were laid yeah. out because it was very deep field of view 3D but it's just a 2D yeah platformer except a couple a, places a couple of places yeah. which were interesting uh a couple of like new like you you get it continues to introduce new mechanics all the way through the game, which I thought was good because you didn't ever really get tired of doing something. Uh, and then it would sort of, it would combine mechanics in, in cool and interesting ways. Um, and the puzzle, yeah, the puzzles weren't that, weren't that challenging, but they like, they did require some, some sort of thought and aha moments. And yeah, they felt good. They did I, really feel I, good. I felt 
the sort of second act, the big central puzzle of the second act where you had to just get all of the guys following you uh, to get 19 great. dudes onto the scale. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we haven't talked about that aspect at all. Yeah, like, so is... there's one mechanic where you can, you can jump into a, like, mind control helmet and it gives you control over anyone who happens to be near. Something there are all these sort five. of, like, just catatonic like blanked out us. people like farmers and construction workers and stuff like there's a real well, they're, like, they're in those d- outfits but i think like my read on it was that they were like grown in vats mm. not like they were literally farmers who were blanked out you don't think they were captured folks i mean because you if you hadn't been going through all of these like abandoned farmhouses in the beginning oh wow i would have been more inclined to not think that they were sort of an enslaved well, because lower remember, class. Well, the, the in, other in limbo, the other way to there were the, there was that like weird white parasite. Yeah, thing. like these guys. This developer is obsessed with mind control. Well, and the pigs. The pigs. Yeah, the had pigs definitely parasites. had a mind control parasite in their buttholes. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they were all over. They they were coming out the sides. No, the fine. There's just stuff. one you pull out of the pig's butt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other way to interpret that is that these these zombie workers are used on the farms. Okay. But I didn't really think about that well, at the time. So, well, because I was assuming because the, uh, the, at the very, very beginning, those guys that are it will catch you if you're not careful are loading up a truck full of people. Oh. And that truck is being shipped somewhere. Interesting. Right? And then there's the part where there's the cage, the cage full of the like zombified yeah, guys. That's yeah. being, but the, by those same, that same class of workers like transporting them around. So... Yeah. There's a bunch of puzzles that involve you hopping into like a mind control helmet that's hooked up to the ceiling and then that gives you control over a guy in the rear plane somewhere that you can't get to but it lets you move a guy yeah, around. A guy who's above you on a on a catwalk and pushing a thing that then you use to solve a puzzle or whatever. Yeah. And then later you get one of those helmets that you can take with you for a while and one of the major puzzles is exploring this sort of giant complicated environment gathering more and more and more dudes yeah, yeah. so that so that you can get through the door whose lock is 19 people have to be standing on this well, 20 20 <laughs> it was 20 including you it was there, there starts with one on there it was it, it was frustrating to me that that bothered me for the same reason that there are also there's this puzzle element that's like a box like a wire mesh mm. crate that you pull a, a you pull a handle on top and then like five seconds later a big fan starts up inside it and it leaps up into the air and what the, the fuck is that these, for? this complex is full of those things well, so and, i mean i think and they're think all, these are in, all intentional like i think this is all part of a a coherent a conspiracy. plan yeah the, the, so this is like that that chess magnet thing that you guys came up with where you put the chess the chess piece on the board and the device detects where it is. Right. So someone invented this fan box with the pull switch on it for this elaborate conspiracy. Yeah. That is that is I, I believe that's probably true. Yeah. I mean it is literally true that someone at this game well, developer but yes. <laughs> but diegetically. I think diegetically that that's yeah. what's going on. Okay. Because you know by the, especially by the end I don't know. Like, it's yeah. Not okay. It's, so it's, the, I mean, basically, it's the so the, now it's spoiler well, time. Before we do that, oh, okay. I just want to like say that seriously, play this game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like don't like if you haven't played it, don't listen to the rest of it. Like if you're at all podcast, interested in playing just, this game, just, just buy it. It takes two or maybe three hours or seven if you're me, but. <laughs> if you're obsessed and with finding is, everything, yeah. There are a bunch of secrets that you'll 
you'll definitely find one or two. Like the game sort of makes it so you find one or two of these and then just watch a video of the rest and then what you get if you find all of them and it's it's fine and you never would have found it on your own. And then we can we can all talk about it in the Slack because it's yep. super cool. All right. So now spoiler time. Spoiler warning. Yeah. So the sort of big payoff of the game happens when you get to the center of the complex that you've been moving towards the entire time and you find suspended in a giant tank of water, except it's like this special kind of water that gravity the is anti-gravity water, like on. reverse gravity yeah. water, uh, where there is just this giant blob of human limbs. Uh, yeah, like, and, th- and this is, and this is something like that apparently recently happened because everybody is running to watch this weird thing happen. Yeah. It's unclear. It's like it's just so because they they'll just stand there for a long time and then when you finally get in the tank and are swimming around they're they're pointing you towards the thing in the middle. Oh, they want yeah, and they, you, they help you out later too. Oh, they do. They totally do. Yeah, and that's that's also unclear. Like whether so, they are under the control of something or whether th- this is all this is all like of, let's 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 make sure this guy. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 swim into this tank where this thing is. It's got four of these mind control helmets attached, attached to it. Yeah. You pull three of them off, and then you are sucked inside the blob. And from that, from for the rest of the game, you control this blob, this ungainly, like incredibly of- well systemically animated yeah. behemoth. Is it as actually because, uh, uh, you know, because I wasn't actually controlling the thing. Is it as, as weird and awkward to control as it looks or is that just yeah. the animation? I mean, it feels pretty good. You it, you It does what you expect it to do when you issue controls to it. it, it it's, it's very objects. It's very ungainly oddly. but yeah. it is, it all, it's but it's also super intuitive. Yeah, it, it yeah. Was it's not, it's deliberately ungainly. It's not it's not ungainly because the controls are bad. Right. It's ungainly because it itself is bad. Ungainly. You can yeah. take an object and like shift it from one side of you over the top to the other side of you, but that's that's yeah. the only part of it that was un, like unusual and took a little bit to be like ah oh, okay I see how this works. I, I was really impressed. Like if you've looked at like siggraph videos of like we invented this procedural animation system and it evolved the like give it this number of legs and it evolves (laughs) this way to walk like i I remember looking at that and saying this is never going to be used in a production game (laughs) but that's this is this this is exactly what that sort of thing is for is like someone like some programmer sat down and like what would like and and it's still it's this creature is clearly figuring out how to move right as it moves it so good yeah it really, really it, it and playing it is really fucking weird and you you control it to basically escape from the facility roll down a hill and die yeah i was actually like i was expecting it to get up and then go off into the world and that would be the ending you're still breathing at the end yeah i didn't actually i it, it is only because every other podcast that I listened to described it as dying at the end that I said that I did not. I feel like it's open. Also, spoiler alert for Breaking Bad. <laughs> I did not read the ending of Breaking Bad as Walter dying, but like obviously in retrospect, he did right there on camera. <laughs> uh, anyway, not that you wouldn't have expected that from literally the first moment of the first episode of Breaking Bad, but still, right. I did not issue a warning. <laughs> Uh, so then there are all of these secret areas in the game I only saw one of them like right at the very beginning so there are the weird little 
orb yellow lights? Yeah, there? there are these 13 machines that you can unplug. Something that you notice when you unplug some of them is that they disable the mind control around them. Hmm. Um, How do you notice that? I, I don't remember ever noticing. There, because that. there is a, the there, one. you have to control a zombie to unplug one of them okay. for you. And when he unplugs it, the lights on the helmet turns off and you, you're not okay. in control of him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the, the very last one and you see a map of the world with all of the ones that you've unplugged in every previous playthrough. But there's one still lit if you've found them all. So you have to go, you have to start a new game and go back to like basically the hardest to find the the only way that you would find this is if you noticed that there was a place where the footstep sounds were different because you're walking over a hatch in a field, a cornfield. Yeah. yeah. You go I, down there. I actually found it in my first playthrough Oh yeah, because I, I, I had been like, you know, there's this act action button. I I don't really know what well, it's They don't tell you for. about it at that point, right? Well, like, I check the controls. Uh, okay. And, uh. And so I was just sort of spamming it. And like I was walking through the cornfield and there's there's a part where you like duck down. I was like, what is happening here? Oh. And so like I like found it. I was like, oh, okay, there's a hatch here. And so then what that taught me was like I just should spam the action button <laughs> through yeah. the whole game. So there's you get down there and there there was already an orb down there, but the the map at the end shows you that there's another one. And there's like a door that has this weird switch in front of it that you can put in three positions and it plays a weird tone. It doesn't do anything like before, a, like when you oh, get before there. Before you finish the game. Before you finish. Yeah, you okay. have to have, you have to have like gotten all the other ones, then come back and then it starts playing one of three weird tones. Yeah. And then there, uh, near some of the other ones, there's like a tape player that's just playing what sounds like like really slowed down classical music or something, which is probably just that sounds through the skull is what that was. Slowed down. And you play that. And you get to a final orb. It's not really an orb. It's just a plug on the wall. Oh, I I thought it was another one of those things. I don't think it's an orb. Um, And in the background of that thing, that scene, there is like just a computer with one of those mind control helmets in front of it. And when you unplug that one, your character slumps over like a catatonic zombie. So, I mean, I heard people... So the, the, the theory that I heard people put forth about the game that makes the most sense to me is that the normal ending of the game suggests that the blob is controlling you, the kid, the entire time to get in and let it die mm. or let it out. Um, it And that it's controlling a lot of the other people too, but then that's weird because why is it trying to escape from a facility full of people that it controls? That uh, and also, does it control the factory workers because they will kill you? Yeah, but then some of them help the blob escape. The like, end, there's a yeah. bunch of people helping the blob escape at the end. You also eventually, as the kid, gain the ability to breathe underwater, and then you gain the ability to mind control people without the helmet. Yeah, what what, what happened there with the like? Because if you gain, if you so you get the ability to control water because one of the 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 water ghosts grabs you. Well, you get stuck. You get stuck with a device. Like you get grabbed. Uh-huh. The, the the guy pulls you down. You 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 do the normal sort of like run out of breath thing where you normally would die and the game would reset. But instead, the that water ghost pulls you down and then there's a there's another one of those like electrode things that get, you yeah. get jabbed with. Plugs, oh. plugs you into this thing. And I didn't that, see that happen. I didn't see that either. Yeah, that happens for a while, and then you fall through the the sort of bottom to the bottom of the ocean and wake up again. Okay. So something happens there where your body is changed. 
uh, my hypothesis was with the the reason I thought it was just a long haired kid was I thought oh it's just turning you into one of them and now you live under the water and eventually your hair grows out that those are just the previous attempts either that the those, previous yeah. attempts or why are they trying to kill you then why do they kill they're, you maybe earlier they're trying the to teach you how to breathe underwater mm-hmm. yeah I don't know like there's a bunch of questions that I don't have good answers to but, but then the secret the secret ending the the I mean the idea there that made the most sense to me was that the sort of the gag there is that he's unplugging the thing that let you control you, the player, mm-hmm. control him, the player character. Oh, not some sort of AI in the world or something. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, that's a little on the nose. Like, if we're... <laughs> yeah, but it's a very, very secret thing. And that's the kind of thing where you'd put a an ending like that. A, for- a fourth wall breaking Yeah, like, like, the th- like the UFO endings in the Silent Hill games. Yeah, I was just going to like compare it to the like the one where the dog is at a control panel yeah. or whatever. The engineer lady that's helping you at the end as the blob read to me as somebody who was autonomous. Like all of the the white collar people read as autonomous to me. Yeah. Compared compared yeah. to the people that you were yeah. you've compared, been like mind yeah, control helmeting. Goons, yeah. Um so yeah, so like they are it seems like they are trying to lure you into the sort of like pit where you get captured again and then you rip the walls off and escape so and i wasn't sure whether that was intentional on their part they were trying to trap you or so i didn't notice this myself but on uh, idle thumbs they were talking about how there is before you roll down the hill and maybe die there is a scale model of that hill in the facility that you pass through you pass uh-huh. by and there's a spotlight on the model at the point where you rest at the end of the game. Huh. Okay. So if that's not just an Easter egg, then that's... That's their plan. Yeah. Their plan is for you to, to be lured into there, break through the wall, burst out of this thing. And yeah, just as, as like a metaphor for mortality or something. Like they're they're just creating this epic poem. The people... In the the white collar people in the facility become significantly less interested in killing you at the end, right? Like you, when when they're all looking into the tank, you can like bump into them and they like look at you and then just kind of brush you off so that yeah, they yeah. keep looking at the tank, which is like. But then, they, I don't remember if there are still people later that will kill you. Earlier than that, it's possible that there's because you were in a couple of rooms that might as well have been observation rooms, and that you might be under observation earlier, like in the that room that's sort of the that's silent and you have control over the water level in reverse. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's a sort of observation deck and they, they might just be watching you do this thing mm. there too. I didn't, were the, were the things that were in the anti-gravity water just supposed to be new vat grown people or were they, I don't know. Cause like when you let a bunch of them go, a lot of them are deformed and have like an extra arm instead of a head or whatever. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Because it, yeah, because it's, it implies that, I mean, maybe that, like, those were failed attempts to make the giant massive thing of uh, bodies that is the final experiment. What, what is your, what is your theory of why those stupid fan lift boxes exist? This is all part of some sort of elaborate experiment or test and like they put these things there as 
an attempt to see how smart either you are or the blob is. So it's literally a puzzle constructed for you to solve. Yeah. Because hmm. so like because at the end, for example, there are these giant doors where the way to open them is a is, huge switch that's way the fuck up in the exactly. air. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like that doesn't make any sense unless it's part of a test. The thing, the platform with the twenty zombies doesn't make any plat- sense unless it's a test. Oh my god, we forgot to talk about the a most amazing sequence, which is that like long sequence where there's just this weird sonic wave. Oh. Oh yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah, you're crossing this sort of no man's land where if oh, yeah, unless yeah, you're yeah. standing in front of something just everything disintegrates. It's like yeah. that was another one of the, that was a place where I also was tempted to look up a a, a spoiler. Yeah, because it that big thing with the blocking object on the wheel the, that was turning, yeah, it did not occur. Whatever, it did not yeah. occur to me for forever that, tough, tough. that you'd have to leave it running. Oh, I was like trying to figure out where to stop it as opposed to how long to stop it for and when right. to like be able to go past it. It took me a really long time to figure it out. But then I'm really glad I didn't look it up because it was really satisfying to to actually solve it. The game is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine... I would like to see the earlier versions of this because I feel like they probably went through a ton of iteration and like made a bunch of puzzles that they'd cut out and just kept the best ideas and the best yeah, no doubt. conversions of. Yeah, I would buy DLC that was just, here's a different character in some of the scenes we didn't use. I yeah. The amount of detail that was in some of the hidden areas yeah. kind of yeah. made me think that maybe they reused some stuff oh, that yeah. was from what used to be main game areas that got cut but they didn't want to that makes sense because man there are a lot of there was a lot of work put into a lot of those secret areas yeah like the dogs were really impressively animated and interactive i feel like the the enemy npcs in general were yeah yeah i tried a bunch of different ways to escape them like not because there was there was the sort of obvious sort of straightforward linear way of uh, avoiding evading them but i was like i wonder if i can hop and jump in a way that like accelerates me fast enough to keep one of them at bay or <laughs> like like the pigs like the, the yeah. actual solution for the pigs yeah yeah that was interesting because it was like just plotting enough that you <laughs> it something that i felt like was a very difficult line that they skated pretty well was the a lot of the sequences were designed to make you feel like you had just barely escaped the the first dog encounter was really well done and the the problem with that is that it kind of makes it so there's very little margin for error Mm -hmm. and so it's very hard to tell if you're on the right track because if you get very slightly behind the curve I was wondering if they were actually like rubber banding the dogs or something to make like if you're a little bit more yeah. ahead of it, if it goes a little faster, I think so it does. It they might, yeah. Hits that sweet spot because that first jump over that that chasm where the dog is right at your heels is really satisfying. And there's a lot of moments like that. Yeah, with the with the underwater kids, there's a lot of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that again, though, that was the part where the checkpointing was the most frustrating to me because it was like if you don't exact if you haven't figured out what you're supposed to do you yet, you can't killed. like it's like man, and then. It's like, well, let me just do these two or three jumps and ladder climbs over and over and over. Yep. Like, yep. One thing I wanted to talk about was like it. 
being constrained to a plane didn't really, I didn't really notice it for most of the game, but once I became a blob, it became very strange. Mm. I was thinking about that through hmm. pretty much all of watching the thing, how it's just one straight line almost, and if, if the kid had been carrying a rope with him, you could floss the entire world. <laughs> just, just one straight plane, like a, like Castlevania or something. It it's To weird. me, it read like it curved from time to time mm -hmm. but that you know obviously like they only show you the the single plane of action but like i got the feeling that like actually you took a turn hmm. yeah it just visually yeah and maybe that was yeah. just my me reading into it but yeah and i, I think what made me feel maybe more than changing like the way i was interacting with the world was that suddenly there were a lot of a lot more people around me and they were coming from different angles like the the npcs aren't constrained to the plane yeah the right. scene with the forklift like was a neat bookend with the scene with the van in the beginning like j sort of coming from the same angle but the opposite direction and you were going the opposite direction oh yeah like because that was in a that big garage that you had to go left into to get something and then go back right right that was what was up with the kid like there was a, a like a guy and his child or something who were observing that forklift. It's the only other child in the game. I, I read think. it I was, as a, just a shorter adult. Hmm. Really? Okay. Did. Yeah. There weren't any kids looking at the, um, looking into the tank. I don't think I so. I feel like those are all adults. Hmm. I guess there was the underwater kids. Anyway, that just struck me as strange as well. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I don't, I can't think of any examples, but I, I remember like there being just, observers and i remember like thinking about how their their thought process whether or not they're aware that this blob is only going to move in one of two directions right like for whatever reason it it can't move except on this one plane whether like they're moving to safety off to the side or something like that because that really that could be diegetic as well as weird as that is to think about that could be built into the uh, whatever the uh, weird experiment is. Yeah, you'd save a lot of money on, like, not having to build walls. Not having to build a weird to... office complex in three dimensions. Yeah. Well, you could, but you just didn't have to worry about it being unsafe, right? Like, anything, oh, right. anything was contained as long as there was a wall to the east and a wall to the west. It right. just wouldn't be able to get anywhere. Right, right. Just walk right up to it. They broke the fourth and the third walls. <laughs> ah so good yeah I like this one a lot yep I'm sure Big Pharma will live up to no it's just a nice fun system puzzly yeah, game I don't, I don't think there's any big monsters in it no except you Big Pharma hmm. <laughs> the monster was you do, do you get along. to choose the side effects of the drug Ooh. you're making you know, you you get to choose whether you ship drugs with side effects or spend extra resources to remove the side effects and oh. stuff like that. I I don't know to what extent all of the levels stuff is bespoke. Um, like what chemicals come in determines what you can produce. And I don't know if it's like this level always has these chemicals with these side effects at these concentrations or if there is a way to play it just as sort of an endless randomly generated mode a roguelike yeah whether you're going to be a rogue or not 
guys. guys. You know who brought us this episode? Our uh, Patreon backers. Patreon backers. Yeah. Should have thanked them earlier before we told them all to stop listening. They <laughs> couldn't afford to buy inside because they spent all of their money on our Patreon. But thank you, Patreon backers, for backing our Patreon, making this podcast possible. This podcast on which, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time <laughs> recording this episode. And I hope that we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, see you later. <laughs> Bye. I also had a pretty Bye. good time. Yeah, this is this is a great time. Yep. Yeah. This is a good good yeah. episode. A good two fifty. It's really hot in here. It yep. is very yes. hot. It's two hundred and fifty degrees inside this studio. Can I please turn on the my plus fan side? On? I'm totally used to the adhesive smell now. Okay. Yep. It's it's inside your brain. Yep. I it's have never you. noticed it. <laughs> Maybe what? it's the, it's that weird fruit smell that you smell. It is the same. It's just you you attribute it. No, to it's definitely fruit. not. There's a gross smell over by my desk that I no one else can smell, and I can't identify or find it. Maybe you're only having a stroke over by your desk. <laughs> it's a stroke desk. Yeah. People pay good money for those. Yeah, it's a sit stand <laughs> stroke desk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>